now we're going to take a service that we've specially designed to be a celebration of our children. And we're going to talk to the camera, but we're also going to talk to all of our grown-ups here and ask you to accumulate a childlike heart. How many of you are willing and able to do that? Can I see a show of hands? We have got five, seven, eight. Well, most of you. All right. We're going to have a couple of grumpy grown-ups and the rest of you are awesome kids, right? All right. Um, first of all, I want to talk about yesterday. Yesterday, I spent a portion of the day just crying. Um, can I be honest with you? I hope you did too. Is it okay to say that? Um, <laughs> we watched this video that our stay-at-home audience can see on Bible Engagement Project, and it talks about evil and what does God do. And uh, when, when we see a video of five policemen kicking and killing somebody who didn't provoke that, <laughs> I hope we weep. I hope we feel shame and pain and frustration because it's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not that they didn't know better. It's not that they didn't know somebody was watching. They had cameras on when they participated in that. It's that that act embodied evil that goes on in our world every day. You know, this last week I sat with missionaries that are going to head out to Ukraine, and I watched this woman and, and her son, he's they're so excited to get back to Ukraine. Let that sink in a minute. If you've been watching the war, uh, living in Ukraine right now is at best a dubious life sentence. We live in a world where people exact pain on each other. I'm sure you witness it in your workplaces, maybe even in your families. You know, as we watch this video about the world now about God and about righteousness, you can't help but um, think about the Bible where it talks about as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the days of the Son of Man. We live in evil times where evil takes over people's heart and evil people make evil decisions. But I want to say we make evil decisions too. Last time you said something snarky about somebody or hated or gossiped, you, you participated in the same evil. The Bible talks about hating and devouring each other, and we are all culpable. You can't look at the awful them. You have to embrace an us, and it's only in the embrace of an us that we move into the righteousness that only Christ brings. Now, I want to address a completely different subject because I do that in the same sentence all the time. Um, Pastor Jim has been asking you guys sometimes to slide next to each other and talk to each other. And that causes a reaction inside people because people don't like to change. And we are so long coming from churches where you just sit and listen all day that we don't want to be people who talk to each other. But see, the church is the woven fabric of interaction. It's the body. Give and take, talk and listen pray for each other. That's, that's what the body does. It's completely scriptural in every way. And actually sitting in without talking is not scriptural. And um, not that you can't do that. It's just that that's not necessarily what God calls you to. So I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I'm going to ask you to bend over next to somebody else, anybody else, and pray with them. Pray with them for the Memphis police. Pray for their families. 
pray for the people who watch that video and feel fear and frustration and anger every day because they live that, that reality. Pray for your street. Pray for your family. And I'm only going to give you two minutes to do it because I think that we can be effective. So on your mark, get set. Lean over, find somebody, and pray. Please don't just be alone. Thank you, guys. I'm going to ask you to draw it to a close, and we're going to move on with our sermon and weave this topic into many of the others we're all weaving today. Now, I'm going to ask you, how many of you like tests? If you love tests, raise your hand. One, two. All right. I'm going to raise my hand. Tests are not just about some demented teacher wanting to torture everybody who has to take that as she's curious about what they got. You know, tests are about our own growth and mastery. So let me ask you this. If Jesus Christ were assessing your life right now in a sit-down at the table with you, how are you doing? Because a test always comes before you actually have to plug and play. Life is a plug-and-play right now where you step into it. But the fact is that we also get tests to prep us. So you don't have to answer me, but I want you to think about it. If Jesus was sitting at my table and he already knew what was going on in my backstory, how am I honestly doing? It's a good test. It's a good assessment tool for us to figure out what God is doing. How are we doing in resembling the Lord? The things that pastor asks us to do, like the daily devotionals, time in the word, prayer, discipling your children, getting up from your church chair and talking to somebody who you don't even know, those are all parts of facets of growth in, in our spiritual walk. Okay. Now, parents, you're only at home. We don't have any parents here, but I'm going to say, I've had some really entertaining conversations with your children in the last two months about where their Bibles are. Uh, the last one was, my Bible's in my grandma's van. It rides out in the back of her van until I need it for Bible bucks on Sunday morning. Now, I'm so grateful that some efficient parent has figured out a system whereby their child is still getting their Bible bucks. But if you win the race and lose the war, you're in big trouble. That child doesn't know what's in their Bible or the Bible stories from it, and there's no sit-down, back-and-forth conversation. So parents, I'm going to ask you to have fun with your kids because I know that about 95% of them are not obsessive-compulsive cleaners who put their Bible on their stand next to their bed. 
There's kids who throw their Bible under the bed, and there's kids who haven't seen their Bible in a year or more because it went on safari somewhere. And so I'm going to ask that you ask them, where is their Bible? And start using it with them. Now, the rest of you, same question, just a more uh, grown-up thing. You know, when I was a kid, if I put my Bible on the ground, I never knew quite to do it or not. My mom was okay with it, especially if I wasn't jumping on it. But many of the people around me were horrified because it was a lack of holiness for the Bible. It's the important part is what? That it's getting inside of us, right? And that's, that's the piece that we address here today and as we go on is in our walk is to internalize this. So I was going to have the kids come up, and I was going to ask them some questions. And I think I'll just ask you and not ask you. You, don't, you can shout it out if you want to. If you're at home, you can shout it out. I won't hear the people at home, but I might if you guys are loud enough. So who made you? That was an easy question. Do you think it's important to follow God? How do you know if you're following and obeying God or Jesus? Also, does it line up with the word? That's really, really important. So if God or Jesus sat down right next to you and started talking to you, would it be exciting to you? Would you like that? Or would it be horrifying to you? Because as he's looking at you, you're like, oh, I just remembered something I've got to do, God. <laughs> and what would you want him to talk about? Have you ever thought about that? If Jesus could come sit down right next to me right now, I, I, when, when the Bible Engagement Project opened on the road to Emmaus, and, and so some guys are walking, and everything they know has not come about, and they're so disappointed. Are these people that don't know Scripture? They don't know the Bible? Oh, they knew the Bible. They knew it way better than we do. I promise you that. And Jesus, he actually calls them names. He insults them. This is not how we like to think of Jesus, but he does this several times in Scripture. It, it startles me every time because I live in this be nice world where everybody, you know, be nice. But he, he calls them some, well, he doesn't call them a name, but he comes really close. And he says, don't you understand Scripture? And he starts opening up everything they've learned and making it real and come alive. Now, if we have a conversation, that's the one I want to have. And I understand there's actually books out there that take the Old Testament and help you understand it through Jesus' eyes. I think that would be really, really cool. Now, I'm going to ask you guys, congregation, this is a test. This was also on our, uh, you could have learned this question's answer just this morning if you saw the announcements because of the trivia quiz. How many of you know the monthly Bible verse? Show your hand. Pastor does. Lola, what's our monthly Bible verse? Pastor, what's our monthly Bible verse? It's all right. Yeah, pastor gets brownie points, but he also might, what might happen in his life because he internalized the word? I have hidden your word in my heart. Y'all, you're sinners. 
on a serious note, we're going to memorize a verse of scripture every month. It's something we're lacking in this church. Can you do that? Can you commit to pick up one verse a month? That's, that's a flexibility issue. That's, a, you know, that's, that's not an inability issue, unless your brain is completely shut down like mine, in which case you just have to keep on working on it. Okay, now we're going to go back to the kids that aren't here. I'm going to ask our online kids. I'm going to ask our in-house grown-up kids. Is there such a thing as right and wrong? What if I tell you no? You're going to look at me confused? Because there's a lot of people that don't believe that. They don't believe there is a right and a wrong. And I wish we could go into it because it would be so fun. But if you don't believe there's a right and a wrong, let me ask you this. If I poke you in the nose and break your nose and bring you very close to death and your nose is bleeding and you, you didn't really do anything, is that right or wrong? See, most people who don't believe there's a right and wrong are firmly convinced of that until wrong happens to them. And then all of a sudden they know that there is a wrong because there is right and wrong. The Lord established this in our life. Okay, so if we choose to do what's wrong, what happens to our friendships with our family and our friends? Yeah, it, it trashes on them. Can our choices then, therefore, make things weird between us and God? Or is just God morally obligated to accept us on our terms and we can do what we want? Well, God's love. He has to love me that way. <laughs> okay. Tell me about Noah. When he lived on the earth, how many people were there who had a heart to love and please God. Now, this is a kid's question. You saw the answer because you saw the video. One. Not even dude's family. He, he got his wife and sons and their wives. Maybe they had something of a heart for God because they respected Noah. When things are broken between us and God, is our life easier or harder? not other people if other people are breaking it off between themselves and God is it make it easier or harder so the first four weeks of the year in Bible engagement project we didn't just talk about creation the first week and Adam and Eve the second week and um, sin I think it was the third week and Noah the fourth week just because these are Bible stories you need to know no the, the teller of the Bible is narrating a story that's going somewhere He's explaining some stuff to us about ourselves that hopefully we have the grace and the skill to hear. And they point towards something called the good news. Just like the ark. Was the ark good news for Noah? <laughs> it was good news for him and his family. Jesus is the good news for people who follow him. And if you know that good news, you're supposed to be helping other people find that good news. Now, I want to get rid of the word supposed to, should and ought. But what does that leave me? If I know really good news and I choose not to tell Jennifer out there, it's still good news, isn't it? But does Jennifer know it? Well, I don't really care. If I tell Jennifer about Jesus, it's awkward. It might break our relationship. I don't know if I want to risk that. 
what do you think God has to say about me? Now, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just trying to show you in a human relational way, it really matters. Now, when Jeremy goes, and when he went to the um, place he went, I almost said the place, which I can't do because it's on tape. Um, but there's, he's still working with other people. Those people actually, um, I was just watching a video by one of our missionaries where she talked um, in a very uh, private environment, and she said, I went to a baby shower, and she goes, they talk about demons. They use the word demon. She goes, they know what they're participating in. She goes, and they pass it in as a gift. So all the women who went to the baby shower received the gift of a demon, and they passed it from mother to daughter. Now, the same thing causes all sorts of torment. They also know that these demons are tormenting people. They're putting out all of their money to people who hopefully can buy off the demon. Through um, And that's what you're paying for. But I have people here in the United States who are telling my son, you shouldn't go tell, tell those people about Jesus. They should be content in their own religion. Let's leave them alone. Is it good news or is it not good news? Does it matter or does it not matter? See, these are the questions, and they're the, they're the questions that, that push and pull on us every day, and they're very much grown-up questions. And this is the, the message of the Bible. The one dad bad thing about preaching from my phone is it keeps going to sleep. And I don't want to take time to make it stop doing that. So today we were supposed to talk about missions. And I've got all these really cool bags. And they have some special things that I ordered. And there's no kids here to receive them. And that's a super big bummer. And I'm sad for that. But that's the way it is. How can you help somebody who's on the other side of the world have hope? If we, if just by having a roof over your head, a refrigerator that has some food in it and some clothes, you're in the 85% most richest people in the entire world. Jim and I, Jim, are we rich? When we take the accountant test for wealth, we actually are in the 90th percentile. We, I promise you, in the middle, and we're in the lower middle class in American standards. I'm talking to you. So, so when we talk about people who have poverty, they have disease, they have never heard of Jesus, we have all this hope, well, who cares, right? That's them on the other side of the planet, right? No, we have to care have to, not from a guilt or duty or obligation, but out of the love of Jesus compels us to have bigger vision, to care beyond, to see the people in our town, to see our families, to see our friends. I want to go to the uh, slideshow to question number two, and I want you, you only get a minute to discuss this. Uh, so, don't choose three people in your group. Choose two and answer it super fast. Go ahead. Share that with somebody. And if you don't know what the commandment in Matthew 28 is, it's go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So super quick, share that with somebody. Share what you're doing. Let them share with you.
Okay, I told you it'd be short. Sorry about that. Time's up. Pastor Jim, can I bug you? Pastor Jim, will you help me? You got long-winded Chris. No, I'm teasing Chris. If you ever want to hear good stories about God, you want to go to ask Chris because he's got them in spades. Anybody know what this thing is? Buddy Barrel. We're collecting these in March. We're about to watch a video on what these are and where they go. This is pastors. I've been sneaking money into his barrel. Pastor, would you go pass those out to anybody who's interested? There's three different kinds. There's boxes and Pringles cans and these things. Go ahead, Brett and Dale. Where do missionaries come from? We have missionaries all over the world who spend their lives helping people know about Jesus. They're in Africa, Asia, Latin America, they're everywhere. We also have missionaries in European countries like France, Germany, and Holland. Most missionaries have to learn a new language so they can talk to the people in the countries they go to. Some missionaries go to faraway cold places like Russia, Mongolia, and Alaska. Or to beautiful warm islands like Fiji or Tonga. But where do missionaries come from? Most missionaries were kids just like you who listened to great stories of missionaries helping needy people around the world. Then God planted a seed of missions deep down in their hearts. That seed was a seed of compassion or caring. As these boys and girls got older, they learned more and more about missions. As they learned more about missions, the seed grew and grew. It grew into a heart of caring for people around the world. Then, God asked them if they would be willing to leave their home and spend their lives as missionaries. This is their missionary calling. It's the moment God says, will you go? And the missionary says, yes. I'll go. Sometimes they'll know the place they'll go to because God tells them. He may have said Argentina, Cambodia, or Tanzania. Other times missionaries go where the need is the biggest. Once somebody decides to be a missionary, they have to get ready. They study and learn a whole lot about the Bible. They also start doing some kind of ministry, like in a church. Then the day comes when they begin to itinerate. I know, big word, huh? It just means they travel from church to church, asking people to pray for them and support them with money. Soon it's time for them to travel to the country God has called them to. Usually, they travel by plane to a place God needs them to tell people about Jesus. Some of them start schools, orphanages, or plant churches. Sometimes they feed people and provide clean water. But always, they tell people that Jesus died for their sins. Some kids grow up praying and giving to help our missionaries. Other kids not only pray and give, but they hear God's call and they go as missionaries somewhere in the world. So I guess we could say that, well, you are where missionaries come from. Isn't that cool? It's a pretty good explanation. 
So I hope you'll fill these and bring them back. Now, these are for our kids. They don't all go same in the same pot as our other money. And Jeremy, I got the privilege of going with him up to Valentine to speak this last week. That was super special. Jeremy's going to Japan, and he did both Sunday school and a, an adult presentation. He's going to go share the good news. Do you know what percentage of the Japanese um, define themselves as a Christian who shares their faith? It's less than that, Cassie, but that's a really super good guess. Cassie, I'm going to give you, would you rather have a comic book or a mug? Come get it. Thank you, Pastor. That's all. Point, I don't know if it's point zero three or point three percent of the Japanese. The Japanese have some of the highest rates of suicide in the world, so it's not about money. You know, we always tell ourselves, if I had a better job, they're some of the politest people in the world. They uh, teach, actually, their core, their core, what do they call that? What they teach in school. It involves teaching manners and courtesy, cleaning up after yourself, speaking kindly of others. That's all part of expectation. That's not part of faith. That's part of good people do that. But the Japanese need the hope of Jesus. There's a lot of hopelessness there. Huge, huge hopelessness. The uh, missionary barrels went to buy bounce houses one year for a missionary in one part of Japan. And uh, there's a missionary who's working with some of the highest paid PhD parents in the nation of Japan. And they bought a telescope to go out and look at the stars together and talk about hope and talk about faith and talk about God. There, because of the shame honor culture in Japan, there is a lot of parts of Japan culture you won't find on the internet. Um, there is a high suspicion for orphans. Um, there are, there's a lot of different marginalized people in the, their society that you can't, that you don't find a lot on the internet about because it would create shame in the culture. And the missionaries, when, when, they go and they feed the hungry, like we're doing here. That's actually because of some of the Buddhist and some of the other religion faith things. The question is, why would you do that? Don't do that. You're messing things up. It's hard as a believer to even comprehend that kind of thinking. But can you imagine being somebody who needs the help and the help being told, you're here because of your own fault? And, and the shame and the frustration of that. We do that a little bit sometimes here, but not as much. So another form of giving that we do, and the reason I'm telling you this is because I want our hearts to be soft, not just towards giving money, but knowing the why and caring about our neighbor and our friend because we want to send missionaries. We want to be tuned in to our kids and make sure our kids are tuned in, get them involved in a project where they earn their own money. And that's a big deal having them choose a, a target of something they're raising money for. The youth have fundraisers where they give. Um, some of our missionaries had their cars stolen, and the youth funds went to buy them a new vehicle. If you can imagine how much money that took. <laughs> right now, we're going to have Dale come for two minutes. You know, we Dale, while you come to the front, um, we have a, a steak banquet that we beg you guys to come to. If getting on my knees would get you there, I would get on my knees. But 
we're fairly resistant to activities sometimes here, so we don't get to see as many of our people as I wish we would. But we raise money at that steak dinner, and the, the food's pretty good. I mean, free steak dinner, it's pretty, pretty decent. But that money is a men's outreach, and Dale's going to tell you where that money goes and the why behind it. <coughs> it's the life of the lost, and it's a men's ministry. We money that we raise, we provide literature, um, audio devices, um, internet-based information for missionaries overseas. But um, yeah not very good at speaking here. A lot of the literature they provide is in the language of the people that we're reaching so they can more connect the, in their languages. Um, a portion of, of our uh, men's ministry goes to that, and then a portion of our men's ministry also goes to men's groups here in, in America, too. Um, like I said, there's the one-time giving of the light for the lost, and then we have like our monthly giving, monthly giving, which I do a monthly missionary pledge every month. And then once a year, they have a Light of the Lost banquet here in our area, and you can do your one your pledge there. Um, like I said, in men's ministry is a basic just a outreach for the gospel. Right. Give Dale a hand. How many of you know that was hard on him? Thank you, Dale. I got on the men's ministry, AG, um, there's AGWM, that's World Missions, there's AGUS Missions, and there is Light for the Lost, and I think if you look on Light for the Lost, it's got this complex website, they have 360 man, um, there's some incredible things on there that are all working to see people know Jesus and support people. Now, we're going to try to trick Pastor Jim about now. We've kept him really busy and tried to keep him off balance a little bit. Um, Dale, I have three graphic novels here. I'm, which one would you like? There's Cannibal Island, Indomitable, and Hunter and the Hunted. Come get one. I'm going to ask that after you read it that you find a family to pass it to. And these are written by Dick Brogdon, and um, he has an organization called Live Dead that Assemblies of God partners with. Pastor, go ahead and sit up here. And in Live Dead, they train missionaries to go knowing that they might not come home, to live at the comfort level of the nation around them, which means sometimes uncomfortable because it matters that much. And some of our missionaries are partnering with that thought process. And so these are not your standard graphic novel. These were expensive. I'm going to pass the other two to Jennifer and uh, hope that they're fun for the youth group and ask them to pass them around since they're not super cheap. And Pastor Jim, we're going to flip subjects and talk about a local missionary. And again, my phone is playing fun with me. Okay. Now I warned you that this was coming and I asked you to study. Are you ready? Do you think do you think that you know the Storer family? No, you have to talk in the mic. It it won't be videotaped, so let me just use Okay. Yes, I know the Storers. How many kids are in the Storer family? Now there's seven. And chickens. They count those as their babies, I think. <laughs> 
Let's see. If you had to pastor and you didn't have any internet and you didn't have any books, would you be a well-trained pastor? No way. How much do you like books? I like books. Now, do you know why I'm asking you that question with regard to the stores? Look behind you. Oh, it just went. Now, you put these up here. What is, what is that on the slide? There we go. That's the picture. What is that? The discovery series that Luke is helping write. And why is that a big deal? Those are manuals that train brand-new African pastors that desperately need to have Bible training so they can start churches and reach people for Jesus. Isn't it true that in some of the African nations, it's a little bit harder to come by the Internet sometimes? Sometimes you can't just download something. Sometimes you don't have a book. So this helps them with seminary training. Is that right? Yeah, this is curriculum for the Bible college so they can be trained pastors. And there's also, they pass out little uh, um, flash drives or little players so that they can, if they can't read, they can actually listen to the Bible and listen to these courses. Now, didn't the stores go to Africa? What country did they go to? They went to Malawi. But they why did they come home? Because of COVID, they had to come home after. Well, then why didn't they just go back? Because um, things changed, and they found out that Luke has a very great gift in being able to write material. And so he started writing while he was home, and they want to keep him doing that because he's supplying amazing curriculum for all these African pastors that desperately want to be trained at Bible college. Do they live close to us? The stores live in Merriman. It's only about an hour and a half away from us towards Valentine. By show of hands. Yeah, I wave at their house every time I go by. When you come into Merriman, it's the first little red house on the corner. That's where this missionary family lives. Isn't it weird to think of missionaries living here and still being effective in Africa? That's the days that we live in. Okay, so what is Luke Storer's job? I mean, is he really a missionary if he doesn't live in a different country? Yeah, he's very much a missionary, and he's very involved in Africa's Hope, and he's also helping libraries become established for pastors to have resources, and he's writing, helping, he's writing manuals to help libraries get started there. He was originally going to go to Malawi, but he's reaching way beyond Malawi. How many of you can recite the nations in Africa? I've become convicted because I've realized that I don't know them. I just call them Africa. That's not very good, you know, but there's a whole lot of nations. Oh, see, this is why he's pastor and I'm something else. If the kids wanted to hear how the pastors are using the books in Africa or how the store children are doing their chores or how to be part of a way to help the stores, could they get the store family story sent to their own emails or their own home? How do they do that? Yeah, they can sign up on Facebook. There's a way to sign up to get the newsletters and stuff, or they can just... Uh, I think we have that information on our board out here. There's a board, right, clipboard hanging in the entryway. All right, Pastor Jim, you're passing your test. At this point, you have 80% because there's only two questions less. Tell us a funny story about the stores that nobody else knows. Oh, gosh. I'm trying to remember. We told, we told a fun one. Um, when, they, um, when they were flying to Malawi... They ended up in an airport in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, and they had, can you imagine taking six children, including two, a toddler and a baby, all the way across the world to Africa, and they got there, and they were just exhausted, 
and they ran into a mission team from another state and another denomination. And uh, that team said, hey, we'll help you. And they grabbed all the kids and carried all their luggage from that airplane to the next airplane they were on through the airport and got them all loaded on an airplane. So that was God's provision. It was just something that they had no idea that God could do. And they all ended up, and they, when they arrived in Malawi, there was a welcoming committee for them. I lied. There is no more test. Can you guys give Pastor Jim a hand? He did pretty good. Nope. <laughs> I asked him to study. Um, can you guys give me 10 more minutes of your time? If you cannot give me 10 minutes of your time, it's okay. But I want to cover two more things really, really fast before I let you go. Um, we got to be part for the last two years of a really awesome outreach that the missionaries to the uh, Rosebud Reservation were doing. But what we didn't get to do is really talk about these other places that are, I don't want to say they're within our nation because the, the Rosebud Reservation and the Pine Ridge Reservation are within our nation, but they are independent nations with their own autonomous laws and rules. And, and we need to be able to respect that. And so that matters when it comes to our outreaches because we're essentially working with people from another country, if you will. And, and their own perspectives. And so I want to really quickly walk you through the Pine Ridge first. That we had Eric Sutton and his wife come for dinner when we were first here, and that was wonderful, and they don't usually have time to do that. And they are the pastor and wife of Recreation Worship Center. The um, native name is Tipiwakan, which means a light in the darkness. And it's the Oglala Church family. So they one of the, the, the unique things is that when you're reading their newsletters, the Lakota elders have specifically asked that, that the church would honor them by not putting the, the facial photos of their youth onto websites. And the church does that, which I really, really appreciate. And they've, they've just modeled the sensitivity. They have a big gym. They run a recreation program. Um, some of the different people on their team, let's see, their son Jonathan was born April of this last year. And their, their daughter Matilda started kindergarten this last August. So they're, Ella and Eric are really young parents, and I know I'm saying her name wrong. It's a German pronunciation. Um, then they have for outreach, Elliot and Crystal Morales. And then the, for youth, they have Leon and Mary Schwartz. Now, just think about a recreation. How, Jennifer, how would you like to be every day down at the rec center running a youth program? <laughs> yeah, she says, oh, gosh. On, on one level, she'd love the interaction. On another level, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Can you imagine the drain? And so as you read their newsletter, they're crying out constantly for prayer, prayer for workers, prayer for sustenance, prayer for energy. And we put their newsletter out there. You can also get in touch with them. But their, more, their main communication is that newsletter. That's what they do. And they key to try to keep it low-key because how many of you know that, that the United States have kind of walked all over the tribes? And, and no matter whether you're conservative or liberal, you, you can't say anything else when you look at the amount of, of dead children up at the boarding houses and some of the different stuff that's gone on that is just shocking. And so we have to walk with grace and sensitivity in these things, and they do. They have a jail ministry. It's like... We Terry goes into our jails. So you can be praying for them with that. 
you can also be pregnant. We have a consistent man to go and minister on the men's side. Do, Terry, has that need ever been filled? We've been asking for a man who would love the Lord so much that he'd be faithful in jail ministry for four years now. I hope you hear the silence. We have youth whose families may or may not know Jesus, just like they do. These are things that we have a parallel to them. And so I want to ask you, bless you. We're going to turn in just a minute, and we're going to close in prayer for, for the Pine Ridge Recreation Worship Center and all their needs. But I'm now going to cover the Rosebud. Now, they're in Mission, South Dakota. Terry, how long does it take to drive up there? I'm going to say it takes a day and a half. It feels like it. <laughs> okay. John, Johnny and Heidi Wade have been there since 2009. The town is only 1,250 people in Mission, South Dakota. This church that they do, he, he goes out on, on a bus called the Metro Kids Bus. They drive three hours on that bus route to get to and minister to all the, the kids. And they do super church, which is kind of like a sidewalk Sunday school. This is where we brought in the, the shoe boxes. And I don't know, Terry will tell us later if we're going to get to do that this next year or if they have a different outreach. We're always sublimating our desires to the missionaries' desires because they're the ones there. They know what is really needed, and we want to be sensitive to what they're doing, and they'll tell us. They've had break-ins. They've had equipment replacement. They've had Teen Challenge graduates, and they have discipleship ministries. Their focus is on the children, but the children they've been focusing on since 2009 are now having children of their own. Pause and think about that. Pause and think about the, the level of prayer. They have 2 million square miles and 11,000 people. They're crying out for helpers, and they're reaching kids age 5 to 11 two to three times a week. This is Johnny and Heidi Wade. I, we put their information out in the lobby. I, I post something sometimes on Facebook. I try not to do that too much because it can really create a backlash for the people whose names are up there. But there's ways to privately connect with these missionaries. But they need, they need our prayer and backing. This morning, whether you're talking about Luke and Bethany Storer up in Merriman or you're talking about Johnny and Heidi Wade up in Mis Mission or you're talking about the Suttons up on the Pine Ridge, they need our prayers desperately. And so we're going to take the last three minutes of service. We're going to shut down the video feed. And um, I'm going to ask that you go with somebody else and really lift up to the Lord these needs in prayer. But I also want to ask you to do one more thing. I want you to ask yourself, Lord, am I really partnering with somebody in effective gospel outreach in places that don't have effective gospel outreach and how am i partnering it might not be money but it might be it might be prayers it might be words of encouragement but we need each one of you this is really a big deal i can talk about us we look around it's a cold day and half our church isn't here i could focus on that but i'd rather us just be the church and if we're going to grow in health then let's do it this way
Let's, let's not be self-conscious. Let's be conscious of what God wants to do in our lives and in the world around us, yeah? Amen? Pastor Jim, will you close us in prayer so people can spend time in prayer? If you are needing prayer for healing, I know I've already asked one person to come forward for some intense prayer healing. Um, we want to be here for you. Thank you, guys. If you're uh, watching online, I encourage you to pull aside now and pray also for our missionaries and for uh, ourselves to really know, Lord, what would you have me to do? What role would you have me to play? How can I hold the rope for our missionaries? So, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for Pastor Brooke and just that powerful word. And, Lord, now as we uh, go to prayer to wrap things up, we ask that you would guide us and show us how you would have us pray and how you would have us to uh, um, move forward. And I just thank you so much for the amazing people that we get to support and for the reward that there will be in heaven as we are sowing into kingdom things which will last for eternity. So we just praise you as we pray and give you the rest of our afternoon in Jesus' name.